Greetings, I'm Dave Gilmore, and this is Design Intelligence. Volker Buscher serves as Chief Data Officer at Arup, where he is responsible for developing data solutions to support the organization's automation, services, and products. He has global experience in leading digital innovation as a project director and non-executive director. He joins me to talk about the relationship between digital transformation and data strategy and how having a clear data strategy is key to achieving our goals for 2030. Welcome to this edition of This is Design Intelligence, conversations with leadership voices in the built environment. Good to be here, isn't it? Yes, it is. Here we are in La Jolla, California at the La Valencia Hotel. We're getting ready to kick off the Design Futures Council Leadership Summit on Technology and Applied Innovation. And we're honored that you made the trip across the pond, across the country, and to the coast. Well, I'm delighted. After two years of lockdown, what a place to have your first big sort of technology event, talking about the future. Couldn't make it up. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievable, isn't it? You have an, an extraordinary role, an unusual role. You are the chief data officer at Arup. And uh, that is a relatively new role in the history of the firm. And um, I think there's a story to tell about how in the world did you get there? Yes, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. I wonder that myself sometimes. <laughs> I've joined Arab over 20 years ago to, to work on these marvelous projects that we do all over the world, from the Sydney Opera House or the London Olympics. And that was my career. I let our services portfolio, our digital services portfolio globally. Um, and then as part of that, I did a study for our chief executive at the time, where I said this thing about data and and how we work with data is changing. And it's not just our clients, it's us and the entire industry. So at that point, we paused and um, did a bit of research, spoke to some friends to see whether this was a transformational change that affects everything we do, or whether we could compartmentalize it and make it part of one service or one team. And we ended up thinking this is probably a more fundamental change. So I um, was then asked by our chairman and said, what are you going to do about it? You know. And at that point, um, he said, you can, you can think about it, uh, but by tomorrow morning, we need to decide. And, um, <laughs> by tomorrow morning, yes. yes yeah, right. as you do. But we had six months discussions beforehand, and I was pretty clear this is the right thing for Arab to do. And also personally, it was an exciting role to create a chief data of a suppose, which in 2017 or 2018 was still very new in the industry. So mm-hmm. that's how we that's how we started. So this is unusual in our industry, but it has significant organizational implications to it. It's not just another title on an org chart. It is it is a title that serves and a role that serves in a nexus across many of the executive roles and the organizations that they represent. It is a nexus for an organization like this. And I'm, I'm not sure that it would work for everyone. There is a, there has to be a commitment to a philosophy and a vision behind this for such a role to meet its objectives. I think that's right. But it's not just, um, Arab. We've, we've looked at media finance, logistics, industries who've been through this change um, before. And and they all ended up with two choices. They either build a data team that has a PL around data and monetizes it. And then you are more like a classic executive leading leading that organization. Yeah, yeah. Or 
you you look at your business and you say this is about changing everything we do in or almost everything we do and at that point you're not a classic leadership role with a pnl or service team you're a catalyst you know you are there to facilitate the change in your technology organization in your business units and the way you develop skills across the organization a whole range of topics we have been saying for a few years i'm going to be interested to see how you resonate with this term sometimes i get these wildly raised eyebrows when I say it, but let me finish my three sentences. At Design Intelligence, we say, data is nothing. Knowledge is something, but understanding is everything. How does that resonate with you? Um, there's a good German response it's called Jein, sort of combining yes and no. So um, data by itself has no meaning or value. But if you don't understand how it's actually created, how you look after it, how you um, create what we call data at scale, then you never get to the second point that you made about you know meaningful knowledge insights and knowledge being meaningful. So you need to have a strategy on how to work with data. And, and specifically in the built and natural world, that is not the status quo. What we actually work with is files. So we locked up the data in in different formats, and as a result, it's quite difficult to create value from it. You know, and value could be a social usefulness around data, can be clearly commercial value and profitability of our business. It is also the role of data in climate change and sustainable development goals. So you need to find a way of capturing and managing and then unlocking sort of value at scale. You know, we, we called it creativity with data mm -hmm. at scale. Mm. I I, uh, I don't know if you've read the book, uh, The Value of Everything. Marianne uh, Mazaguto is a, an economist, and she delineates between what is called value creation and value extraction. And that there was a time in our mutual economies, the U.S. and the U.K. and Europe, where we were known as value creators. We manufactured, we created things that you could legitimize as value, true value. But at some time in our history, particularly in the 20th century, we pivoted to what was a, perhaps an easier route, which was called value extraction, which is we're really looking to move things around to just suck value out, but we're not really creating value. We're just sucking value out of things. And it, and it creates inequities in how people are paid and, and who's rewarded and not, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very interesting book. I think you would enjoy reading it. But what I'm finding in the world of data, particularly in the built environment, is that by and large, most firms and the AEC uh, space have not understood either value creation from the wellspring of data or even value extraction from what to really do with data. It's a it's an interesting dilemma because we are, as you said, we're locking it up in files, we're piling it up in garages, we call them affectionately data lakes, but we're we're just piling data up, but absent a strategy, and it's just piling up. There's no way to, how shall I say, curate it, to normalize it, to categorize it, to, to do something with yes, it. Yes, I think, I think that's right. And it's, um, it, it is not entirely obvious why the industry is not as far ahead as, as other industries are. My, my suspicion is that the culture and the practices 
in, in how we use software and how we've been through digitization in the last 20 years has, has created an environment where, where the data is just very difficult to, to access and to do something with. So there is a complexity uh, involved. The second issue is when we think about a building or an airport or a bridge, the process of designing and then building and then managing it isn't just one step. You know, on the London Olympics, we had hundreds of teams involved, you know, hundreds of organizations collaborated mm. with each other. So you also need to solve organizational challenges around how you share data effectively if you want to move this to a new space. And I think that's just not easy to do. So that's why, in a way, that's why the conference here is so interesting, because you brought together a lot of the sort of leading organization in that space. And it would be interesting to see where where everybody is on this topic. Because the, the book I like from um, Friedman, uh, Thank You for Being Late, basically says you can address these issues or you can choose not to address those issues. But if the transformation takes off and if the change is superlative, he calls it a supernova and he refers to cloud in, in, in that context as a technology, then you will be left behind. So at some point, we probably face not just the option whether we should or could do something, but it probably becomes material choice whether you maintain your competitiveness and whether you play relevant, stay relevant in the industry. You know, people like to put time factors on this. How many years until we reach that critical pivot where it's things are happening and it's too late? I, I'm watching this happen on in, in many different venues. We're looking geopolitically. We're at a very strange place in the world the Ukrainian war is occurring right now. We are very nervous as to what that means. We're approaching 80 days very soon in this conflict. If this continues, and even now it has radically altered our consciousness about security, borders, um, purpose, so many things are changing to the point where it is believed by most analysts that we have crossed a line and we will now change. Not to predict good or bad, just things are radically shifting. We are certainly seeing that in our response to health and our response to the climate. We've been told for far too long, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, guess what? It came. And now we are at this place where are we scrambling to somehow mitigate the damage that's already prophesied to come, or are we still with our heads in the sand, uh, for instance? And what do we do about this condition? And so it is with the built environment industry, as you just described. We're at this place where it's time to pivot. We're going to have to literally change our business models our understanding of organizational behaviors, the authenticity of open and free collaboration and the use of data, or we will find ourselves out of business. When does all this occur? I sound really dystopian, don't I? I don't mean to, but there's a lot happening at once going on right now. I think, I think yes, I think there is. I mean, there's sort of two factors. One we are more confident about than the other. Um, one is about the time it takes to, to make the necessary changes. So there's a lot of research you can find from, I looked recently at um, the Side Business School in Oxford and some other literature reviews. And you could see that organizations that engage with this change from sort of data being locked up in files to working with data at scale. And it took them between five or six years to, to make material change. And then you have a lack of, you know, sort of super legacy to come along. But in that period, you can make the change. 
What's more difficult to predict is when that window starts and if it starts for your main competitors and yourselves, if you're not there for the first two years, you probably don't catch up. Mm. So when is the right time to, to get going? Now, in other industries, this was not always started by the incumbents. So you would have the challenges in logistics and retail. You had the Amazons coming in and media. You had the online businesses coming in and advertising. You had the uh, alternative sort of business models uh, emerging. And, and that was largely venture-funded. So the incumbents couldn't afford to stand still anymore because there was an alternative that had access to capital that wasn't their traditional client base. And we see the same. Build tech, prop tech, construction tech, uh, are now sort of relatively, you know, formally established venture capital areas that I think will drive this forward. And the other issue, I think, are the big topics that we are facing, like climate change. Yeah. You know, I just can't see how we're going to achieve by 2030 the goals that we've set ourselves without having insights and evidence on what we need to change and whether we're making progress. Yes. Yeah. And we experienced that during COVID a little bit, I think. Like, this is the first time as a professional, as a chief data officer, the guys I play football with, they are not that interested in the intricacy of our data science strategies or how we develop data platforms and data literacy programs. All of a sudden, I found myself drawing graphs and exponential projections in the pub on napkins saying, this is not looking good. If you project this data forward, we will be in lockdown in a month's time. And lockdown means nobody plays football anymore. So the urgency could come from different places. I'm pretty sure, though, in the next couple of years, this will become the norm. I'd be very surprised mm -hmm. if we would talk in two years' time, hopefully right. in the same setting, and you won't see at least 30% of companies having a data strategy, having a chief data officer or some executive role responsible and and clear plans and actions on how to how to deal with this interesting question for you uh, I get this question a lot and realize that everyone has different places where they are in their understanding um, tell us about the relationship between digital transformation and data strategy so digital and data are closely coupled. But digital is very, very broad, you know, additive manufacturing, IoT sensing, you know, there's a whole world of new hardware emerging, there's a whole new set of chip technology, Bitcoin, and, and whether as a result, blockchain at some point is actually accessible from a cost and friction point of view in our industries, you need to be able to deal with these issues as part of a digital strategy, cybersecurity, uh, infosec, so these are big topics. So companies still need a digital plan and a digital strategy. Data is sort of part of that in the technology landscape, but I think it's primarily a business issue. I don't think data is a digital or technology issue per se. I think data is about how you create value, how you go to market, how much do you understand about your customer, you know, in asset management, how can you predict the risk of failure on, on large infrastructure assets. So these are business questions mm -hmm. for which you need digital and technology to host, ingest, transform, blah, 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 all yeah. the tech stuff. But data itself is more a business question than a technology question. Which leads me to this question, uh, or statement uh, with the question, 
in the history of the Design Futures Council, which is now 28 years old, we've had three very large things come out at the Design Futures Council that have literally altered and impacted the industry. They were initiated here as you talk to the folks who were here 28 years ago, 27, 6, etc. One of those was what were codified in Nantucket at an environmental event of the Design Futures Council, and they codified a thing called the Nantucket Principles which were one of the first formal statements made by architecture engineering leaders about responsible design. And this was 20-plus years ago, right? And uh, some of those people there ended up going and serving on the U.S. Green Building Council and were major influencers in the development of the LEED program, etc. One of the other things that came was a fellow showed up here to make a lecture. Uh, people looked at him oddly. Um, one of the fellows in the audience connected with him after and kept a conversation going for a couple of years and then decided he would make good on this fellow's speech and so invested a bunch of money and created what today is called Revit and <laughs> sold it to the Autodesk people and that generated from one of these events. And there's been one or two others, uh, certainly some of the earliest voices in the industry, at least on this side of the pond, began to speak loudly about a thing that has now been codified as integrated project delivery that came from these leaders. Having spent some time with you and having looked and had a preview of the presentation that you're going to make, I believe this week when you present, we are now being faced with one of those other industry-altering challenges that's going to come from your presentation. If it is like what we have seen in prior events, where, as the examples I just gave, 90% uh, of the audience may go, well, that was interesting, but may miss it on its first round through. We fundamentally believe that what you're presenting is a proposition to the industry that is a radical call to changing the business model, fundamentally, of the built environment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's why I was interested when you when you asked me to come as an Arab fellow. You're you're meant to work on your own organization, but also you're meant to to share and engage with the industry and and outside of the industry at large. And the reason for that is twofold. One is that you know knowledge shared creates more value. We've we've seen that over the years. That's how we build relationships and partnerships. But also in this data space, it is not yet entirely clear how everything works. So the idea that we know everything is already a mistake. So, so the principle of collaboration is sort of at the heart, I think, of solving this question. If I look at the Revit example, I actually think we're sort of at the end of that generation where software rules the world in, in a classic sense, yeah. you know, where you download a license or you buy a license, you download a software. We currently have over thousands of applications in use across Europe. And, and it took us, I think, 15 years to go from almost having zero personal computers and, and software to the entire organization yes, being fully amazing. instrumented with PCs and, and software and data centers and all that stuff. And that phase is coming to an end. But it won't be replaced with another piece of software, what we call data infrastructure and science, or what you could refer to as sort of a platform business model and a platform architecture is the configuration of many components that you bring together 
And for that, you don't buy software. You need to have leadership and architecture. So it's a different generation of technology use that we're bringing into the business. And that I think will be the, the bit that in the beginning augments many of the existing systems and software tools. And at some point replaces some of them entirely. Now, Autodesk, Esri, uh, we call them the big five that we use on, on thousands of projects. Mm-hmm. Um, they're making that change already. They're moving to their own platform architectures. They want to become providers of data solutions and platform business models. So the platform is one piece that we all need to do. And I think we all become, at least the bigger companies will become platform businesses. The second big step that I hope people will think about after your conference is how we share. So the collaboration and the sharing of data in retail banking when that really took place, created a $43 billion global market for open banking. So we haven't even scratched that surface. So we are currently emailing, using SharePoint, using federation tools for file exchanges. But when we move to actual machine integration of data, and you combine that with these platform business models, that becomes quite exciting. And and hopefully your conference is sort of another moment where we yeah. say this is where it all came together and, you know, a few of us hopefully stay in touch and, and do something about and it. And do something. It does introduce a completely new definition of value coming back to the idea because it's a new value creation catalyst. It truly is for industry, for the clients, for the communities our clients serve with the buildings and the infrastructure they put in place. And, and uh, related to that, what we are finding now is the 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 change in business model or the change in service propositions and the change in technology, you can prototype. And then it's about whether you have enough capital and whether you can sort of execute this and scale it and, and, and roll it out more broadly. The biggest issue slowing you down in the, in the scaling and growth phase isn't the business model and the technology because that has been solved in other industries. It is actually the knowledge, the culture and the practices of companies that work with technologies for 20, 30 years and moving away from that or, you know, identifying with a better way and a newer way of working, that culture change and that change in practices is actually the the harder challenge. I mean, we're all people in the end, we're all human in the end. So speaking of human, so when you're not a chief data officer, what do you give your time to? What do you enjoy doing outside of the work that you do? So I'm a massive football fan. I have been for a long time. I, I Just for the Americans here, he's soccer. talking about soccer, okay? Like soccer fan. <laughs> I, I play badly for my sins, and uh, I love my home country. I love the German national team and my home team, Werder Bremen, and in London where I live, I support uh, Arsenal Football Club, which, by the way, have the most season-defining game on Thursday in the middle of my workshop. Oh, my gosh. So I don't know whether I should blame you or them for the timing of that. Um, it's them. Yeah. yeah. And then I've got a family, children. Um, I enjoy politics, sort of thinking about how the world moves and, and yeah. that sort of stuff. It's a fantastic life we live, and you work for an amazing firm. Thank you for joining me on This Is Design Intelligence. Thank you for the podcast, and thank you for the conference. Thank you for joining us for this edition of This is Design Intelligence. The producer is Laura Spells. The sound engineer is Jared Knabel. This has been a DI Media Group production.